0: I have a few stories to start us off this morning, and I actually just, I don't normally ad-lib in my sermons because that's just not how my brain works, but I am going to toss one in after our SOAR sharing time. So now we're going to start with four stories. The first story is from SOAR, and it is simply the fact that over the course of my time with the youth, uh, who are mostly our grade 11 students, I realized something. I knew these grade 11 students... Uh, for the longest period of time consecutively when they were in grade 7 and 8. When they were in grade 9, I went on maternity leave. And when I returned, six months later, COVID-19 happened. And since then, we've had very little time to interact. So I realized after SOAR that this experience with this team of six students was really the first time in a very long time I had really been able to sit with them and get to know them again. And what I found was that my grades seven and eights had certainly grown up. And their thoughts on the world were profound. And their opinions on life were forming and, and incredible. And the more time we got to spend with each other, the more I got to know who they were all over again. And that was such a gift. I became familiar with them because we had spent so much time together. Story number two. A few years ago, I was out for lunch with a youth. The following stories I need to add are all uh, pre-COVID-19. So my reference to crowds is not a reference to me breaking any protocols. These are all from several years ago. But a few years ago, I was out to lunch with a youth. We were in a pronto pizza at lunchtime. So naturally, it was quite full and it was quite loud. Suddenly, my ears tuned into something I sat up excitedly and announced that the Backstreet Boys were on the radio. The youth looked at me confused, not having even realized that there was music playing in the restaurant because of how loud it was. But sure enough, Backstreet's back was hovering somewhere behind the din. Being a child and a preteen of the 1990s, I am very familiar with the entirety of the BSB discography. And if it was being played, I was going to hear it. The person sitting across the table from me didn't even know that music was playing. But because it was a music that had deep roots in me from years of obsessive listening, I could pick it out in a crowd. Story number three. Some of you know my sister, Jessica. Who is three years older than me? Something that people may not, or something that people do pick up quite quickly with us is that we are very similar. We've been mistaken for twins, and our voices are often confused on the phone, even now that we don't live with each other. And we are alike in many, many ways. A story that illustrates this is when a friend of mine who didn't realize that I had a sister found themselves talking to Jessica at a get-together of a mutual friend. As they were exchanging small talk, my friends had to stop the conversation, and he said, I'm sorry, but do you have a sister named Janessa? And when she confirmed our connection, he commented that he didn't actually realize I had a sister, but her mannerisms and the way she was speaking was just so like me that he couldn't deny this connection. There was something familiar and recognizable about her because so much of her reflected me, who he knew very well. And story number four. My husband Andrew works at Canadian Mennonite University, which is also where I happen to be working, slowly but surely, on my master's degree. One day, I was meeting with my academic advisor in her office, and the noise of students walking by up and down the hallway and chatting was ever-present as a background to our conversation. But from down the hall where Andrew's office is located, he started a conversation with someone, and I heard it immediately. I turned to my advisor and jokingly said that she must get tired of hearing Andrew's loud voice so often, I mean, if you've met him, he's not a quiet man. (laughs) And I imagined that she could hear him a lot. But she looked confused. She tilted her head to try to hear and commented that she couldn't hear Andrew's voice. She observed that I could probably hear it because I was so attuned to his voice. And that comment gave me pause. You may have noticed a pattern in these stories, but if you didn't, here it is. Each of these stories illustrates how familiarity leads to recognition. Familiarity leads to recognition. My familiarity with a 90s boy band led me to being able to identify their music even in the midst of a crowded and noisy restaurant. My friend's familiarity with me led him to connect me to my sister, even when he didn't fully realize our relation. And my familiarity to Andrew has led me to be able to pick his voice out from a distance and in noise because I just know that voice. Familiarity leads to recognition. Last week, we began our Hearing Voices sermon series, and Pastor Carl asked this question as he closed off his sermon. How can we hear the distinct voice of God? And I've thought about this idea of distinct, this word, since then. All sounds and voices are distinct in their own way. When I've preached my first sermon here, I had a friend who was sitting in the crowd, and she said that she was looking down, writing something, when I started to speak, and she had to look up to make sure it was me, because I was speaking so slowly, which is very different from my normal voice, that she didn't recognize me because she only knew me to speak at um, very, very breakneck speeds. But all sounds and voices are distinct. If I was to make the following sounds, da na. Most of you would know and automatically link these two very simple notes at that very particular pace to the movie Jaws, even if you haven't seen it. If I were to play a sound clip from some famous actors, a lot of you would be able to very easily pick out voices like Morgan Freeman, Ellen DeGeneres, and Liam Neeson. And what all of these things have in common is that we have had enough exposure, frequent exposure to these distinct sounds to be familiar with them. And in our familiarity, we are able to recognize them. Our John text from today is exploring Jesus' metaphor of him as a shepherd. Throughout the entirety of this analogy, which extends further throughout the entire 10th chapter of John, The voice of the shepherd is focused on. Here are the different emphases. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice, verse 3. He calls his own sheep by name, verse 3. The sheep follow him because they know his voice, verse 4. They will listen to my voice, verse 16 and my sheep hear my voice, verse 27. Let's take a closer look at the sheep analogy that Jesus used. Jesus didn't say, all sheep hear my voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And this made me curious about how sheep would know that difference. I think it was a couple sermons ago where I told you I wasn't a sheepologist, which isn't a word. uh, And I did get a lot of feedback about that. (laughs) But here uh, I'm expanding my expertise in sheepology. Um, I found out that there is evidence that sheep actually have the ability to hold faces, voices, and smells in their memory. And sometimes for years... Not only that, but sheep naturally group together with other sheep for safety, but they will also be drawn toward a human if that human has proven themselves to be a friend. That means that in using this analogy, Jesus is connecting recognition to familiarity. The sheep that come into his fold are able to identify his voice, Because by entering the fold, they're exposed to him enough to know him as friend and recognize him as distinct from other voices. This tracks with the illustrations that I've used so far. The more familiar I am with sounds, the easier it is for me to pick them out, even in normal noisy circumstances. To be able to recognize a voice, we have to be familiar with it. But here's the thing. Familiarity with anything is built on taking time to learn about and know that thing. I've heard a lot of voices in my life, but I can't pick all of them out in a crowded room. Only some of them. Allow me one more story and illustration. My son Lincoln is two and a half years old now. Hard to believe. When I became Lincoln's mother, I assumed that I would be able to pick his voice out of anywhere. I heard all about how parents can recognize what kind of cry their baby had and assumed that this was just a superpower. Naturally there, the day Lincoln was born, I would know every single cry. But I remember being at the mom's group here in the early months of Lincoln's life, A weekly get-together, and while we were chatting or doing some activity while the the babies were being cared for in the nursery, we would hear a baby crying in that nursery. And sometimes, often, I would say, oh, that's Lincoln. And then I would go up and I'd walk to the nursery, and upon getting there, I would find that he was either very happy (laughs) or very unconscious and sleeping. (laughs) Those were his two modes early in life. And so, it was another child that I had heard. Lincoln hadn't been crying at all. And I remember feeling really, really strange about that. Like I'd done something wrong, or I wasn't listening enough, or was I a bad mom? How could I keep getting it wrong? How couldn't I know the voice of my son? But here's what I discovered. Just being Lincoln's mother didn't grant me some superpower to know his voice. Familiarity, in all of its forms, takes time. Eventually, I took the pressure off of myself and stopped trying to guess. I just assumed he was happy after that. <laughs> I forgot all about this assumption I'd made and it faded to the back of my mind. I continued to spend every day with Lincoln while I was on leave, learning about him and inevitably learning the sound of his distinct voice. It didn't occur to me that time was what drew me into that familiarity that I had expected to have much sooner than I did. But that's just how it works. Again, it takes time to know the distinct nature of any sound, even the sound of your own child. Let's fast forward to this past summer. Lincoln was at his home daycare, which was just down the road from us, and every day, at the end of the day, I would walk the half block and pick him up. On one particular day, as I was still several houses back from the daycare, I heard a child crying, and I instantly knew that it was Lincoln. I was so sure that I took off at a run, because this cry wasn't just any cry, this was a very upset Lincoln. And I ran and I sprinted down our back lane and opened the gate into the backyard of the house following the sound. And as I entered the gate, I saw Lincoln sobbing, wrapped up in the arms of his caregiver. He had just fallen down the stairs. Thankfully, he wasn't seriously hurt, but he was deeply shaken and very upset. I continued running through the backyard over to him, and he reached his arms out for me. I scooped him up, and we hugged all the way home. It was only on reflecting on this story that I realized that I'd arrived at the place where I knew my son's voice. From a distance, and without seeing him, I knew he was crying, and I knew that he had to be really upset. I had no doubt with him that it was him from my ears before I ever even walked into the backyard and was able to confirm that it was him with my eyes. To recognize something, we must be familiar with it. And to be familiar with it, we must spend time with it. And the same is true for the distinct, Voice of God. So we begin with time. We spend time with God. We pray. We read scripture. We learn. We journey with others, with the body of Christ. We listen. These things, also known as spiritual disciplines, serve a purpose of building relationship and they create space for us to expose ourselves to the divine in different ways all of which leading us towards familiarity. And when we begin to gain that familiarity, we explore it. What makes God distinct? What does God's voice sound like? What patterns and consistencies exist that help God stand out to me? What does Jesus reveal? These are some of the many questions that we sit with as we explore familiarity. One way to answer those questions is to explore the metaphors that we have for God. I took a course called God Through the Centuries this past semester, and through that course I did my final paper on exploring metaphors for God, thinking about how powerful they are. The metaphor that I explored was God as a breastfeeding mother, but there's so many for us to be able to explore. The one that we've focused on today, both in worship, in in Jesse's sharing, and and in our scripture passage, is God is shepherd. God is interested in our care and well-being, guides and protects and nurtures us. But God is also refuge and strength. God is protecting us and watches over us, offers us a place to feel secure. God is comforter. God offers us solace and spaces for us to experience our grief. God is love. God embodies love is the essence of love and prioritizes love, invites us into that love, invites us to share that love with our neighbor as ourself. God is and is and is. The list goes on. The metaphors found in our scriptures touch on these characteristics of God and shed light on who God is. And the more time we spend understanding, exploring, and expanding those metaphors, the more familiar we become with God. Each metaphor is like a piece of a puzzle, and the more that we explore, the more we assemble a greater picture of who God is. And it's these pieces that give us one of many avenues towards familiarity. So we had time, time brings familiarity, and through that familiarity, we then find ourselves able to recognize God. Time, familiarity, recognition. While it is true, and it is important, and I have emphasized for most of this sermon that there are disciplines for us to engage in, we cannot go further here in this morning without recognizing the work of the Holy Spirit. When I shared my story about Lincoln, I shared about how I had to learn that I didn't have a superpower that granted me special knowledge of Lincoln. Well, not to be reductive or irreverent, but we... Christians do actually have a bit of a superpower when it comes to special knowledge of God. Or rather, we have been gifted the Holy Spirit whose role in our lives is to aid us in the journey of recognizing the distinct voice of God, to guide us towards truth, to help us recognize God. And please know that this coming so late in the sermon is not because it's an afterthought. I emphasize the reasoning behind our participation in disciplines because it's through these disciplines that we lay the groundwork for our openness to the Holy Spirit. In John 14, Jesus, knowing that we would need more than just our own abilities to hear the voice of God, promised us the Spirit the Father will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. Through the work of the Spirit of Truth, the time we spend with God bears the fruit of familiarity. And from the fruit of familiarity comes the gift of recognition. We participate in actions and disciplines so that the Spirit can have a place to work in our lives, nudging us and guiding us closer and closer to the distinct voice of God that beckons us into relationship. May we become so familiar with the voice of God that we can hear it in the noise. May we become so familiar with the voice of God that we can recognize God in our fellow believers when we run into them. May we become so familiar with the voice of God that we are attuned to and hear it clearly no matter what the circumstances. And may we become so familiar with the voice of God that at its sound, we will go running, sprinting, towards it. With the help of the Holy Spirit, may we come to know the distinct voice of God. Amen.